Well, hello there, you little weirdos. It's another episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast. This is Andrew Pish speaking. I'm joined here with Anastasia Blakely and Travis Cox. What's hey, going man. on? I like and the idea of having your voice in my ear calling me a little weirdo later. What's going on, you little weirdos? I know. <laughs> that, I'm really excited. That does something about that. for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it does. <laughs> well, I just have such a warm feeling in my body right now because we had the most wonderful conversation interviewing Sean Landry, the new CEO of the Ledge Theater here in Los Angeles, a space for diverse voices to find a home and improvise in in our city. Anyone who doesn't know Sean, Sean is one of those people who has just been like a driving force and a prominent figure in the improv world. I mean, for literally like 40 years. I mean, she's just someone who really breathes improv. You know, I feel like the same way we aspire to. She's, you know, she started in Chicago. She started her you know, an old sketch group called o OBN. She worked with Second City. She's taught at the IO. She's taught at the PAC. She's really, she's been on, I mean, countless numbers of improv teams. And now, like Pish said, she started the Ledge Theater here in LA, which is the first Black-owned improv theater in Los Angeles. Just so cool. And she's in love with her improv sweetheart and has been playing with him for so long that I feel so inspired. Jacob and I are going to be improv sweethearts forever. And you'll be playing together in 50 years, just being big old improv nerds the same way you are today. Yeah, I just, I can't wait for, to go to a house party with her and have her feed me and to be her improv child. I know we're going to get into talking about it, but before we get too far, just so you can find her easy, hit her up on the Instagram at seanlandry1, it's just Sean with S-H-A-U-N, and also follow the Ledge Theater, that's ledge underscore theater theater with an re because it's bougie yeah and it just feels really nice having someone like this uh creating a space for people to improvise in los angeles because uh improv is a beautiful art form and you can tell that she takes it seriously and you can also tell the love that she has for people and improvisers and the community that she hopes to create i hope you all have a wonderful time listening to our interview with sean landry you're listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. There hey. she is. There I am. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you too, guys. It's been a while for a couple of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, no problem. No problem. I just have to have Han stop snoring over here. He is literally snoring. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so great. Yeah. Some some of my favorite moments of living with him is literally recording him in bed. Because um, one day I'm going to bribe this motherfucker. One day it's going to happen. It's like, oh, so this much. Be in, outside of improvisation, this is what my husband sounded like snoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, you always got to be collecting content on the people you love the most for sure yes exactly yeah you know content you know like him accidentally in the shower you know because i'm that kind of asshole <laughs> <laughs> i just saw one of my friends they have like a ring camera out on their driveway and apparently her husband sleepwalked out to the car to get something 
completely naked and he has no memory of it but he's caught on wow. this camera outside in the middle of night <laughs> trying to get something from his car and oh i'm like that's God. that's top shelf was, wow. was that here was that here in la <laughs> no that was in uh utah somewhere oh well then no one cares <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, that's true yeah it's it's utah <laughs> You know, I'm going to Chicago for the first time. Um, oh, really? Next um, week. Yeah. What's your favorite thing that I should do? Oh, my God. Everything. First off, you know, if you like deep dish, uh, the best place is Giordano's. Yeah. <laughs> best places in Chicago everywhere. Um, uh, pizza, my um, Pizza, it's Gino's East. Yeah, Gino's East or Giordano's. Uh, and then the north side. If you want real Chicago sandwiches, you go to Clark Street. Duh. Yeah, if you want real Chicago sandwiches, as he just said, Chicago. Chicago sandwiches. <laughs> Every once in a while when we're drunk, we just drop, you know, we drop everything. You know, the Oz, oh, Chicago. You know, the Oz, the A's become Oz. You get your double beef sandwiches there. And you get okay, we, Hans, this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's about at least sandwiches he's not snoring now. anymore it's right? about sandwiches. no he's not snoring now he's taking over he's taking over this uh then there's the very very shiny second city yeah it's interesting because i probably will go see the second city but i also maybe i gotta go get uh go what did you say it's a clarkson clark street no? dog Clark but that's Street actually dog. dog, but you're talking about if you go to Clark Street dog and then you take the Clark Street bus up, you'll get to Second City. It's all on the north side. Well, I, I if I if there's the old IO stomping grounds then I'm like, I might have to just go walk around there and feel, you know, everyone's old presence. Yes. The old the oldness of that presence is is very lush. Uh, but if you're talking about going to someplace really cool, go to Boys Town, as the Chicagoans call it. Go to annoyance. You'll you'll see Mick behind the bar, uh, well, be, yeah, because that's uh, because that's what he does. He, that's the thing that he loves the most. Basically, hanging out with the boys and <laughs> pouring drinks and just you know every you'll see a drag show in the front. Uh, then the you know Susan's back there doing whatever Susan does, and, and yeah. Susan and Rachel. Um, but yeah, the 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 men in town at this point is the annoyance theater, um, oh, because it. The, wait, hold on, hold on for one second, Hans, please. <laughs> yes, I know it is. Thank you. Plug back in and start snoring. <laughs> hold on. Look. Since since we we've, we've heard from Hans a couple of times, can I just ask you to tell the story of how you two met? I heard it on a different podcast, and I was like, "No way, that's real." So yeah, it is, just, it is. I can. Would you like me to try to do it verbatim from the podcast that I did it on? It could be fresh, just a new version. I just think it's okay. So oh, fun. okay. Yeah. All right. So I auditioned for his improv ensemble, the um, Underground Theater Conspiracy. No, Fugle Woogle. Um, it's a it's a name that means nothing because at that point everybody had like a wacky name like contents under pressure, all you can eat in the temple of doom. Uh, that seriously, these were the names of. I mean, it's the eighties, right? So I'm um, actually, I believe Odenkirk was in uh, Temple of Doom at that point. So um, so I. You know, I was looking in the reader. I was in Geese Theater Company and I didn't want to work in prisons anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, my name drops are pretty, you know, hard. Uh, like Manson, Speck, Gein, 
you know, you know, all the guys who are going to get me on Netflix. So anywho, (laughs) (laughs) anywho, um, I get into uh, I get onto the reader and I see, you know, looking for improv actors. And I had never done I've done improv, but only in a drama therapy sense. And Mm. I go to the players workshop at the Second City and I see Hans and Hans at this point, this is again, the 80s. He ran a comic book store. We have a bunch. We are comic book people. And he is wearing a V for Vendetta T-shirt because it had just come out. Whoa. Um, And he had cut off the sleeves. And he had guns out. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. You know, like old school, like, you know, Top Gun, you know, cut the sleeves, (laughs) shirt off shit. So Uh, dreamy. Yeah, he, he well, that's the thing. The thing was, I thought he was, I'll get to that because you've heard this. Uh, he's wearing cuffs, uh, you know, the running cuffs, black. He has on black kicker boots, black jeans. His name is Hans. His hair is buzz cut short. And I look at him and I say, wow, he's an Illinois Nazi. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's looking at me and doesn't want to have anything to do with my black ass. Uh, he wanted to hire some woman who wanted to, quote unquote, peel paint off the wall. I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what this means. I'm like, I guess she's hot. I guess, you know, she's some kind of like paint thinner walking person. I don't know. So anyway, uh, he got completely outvoted because, you know, I know how to act and, oh, I know how to do improv and. Oh, I know how to do characters. So he, they, uh, Tyrone Finch, who used to work for 21 Jump Street, hired me. He was the director of Foo Woogle and the first African-American improv director at that point. <laughs> and he was like, no one has seen anyone black before. And I got into the company and they had their last show at Barrett Hall in Chicago. Uh, and he looked less like a Nazi and more like a member of Duran Duran. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Very oh, nice. Oh, no. Say a prayer for me now. <laughs> Save it to the morning after. Oh, no. Say a prayer for me now. Um, he's sick. Oh my God. And the, and the leak, he literally has cancer right now. Um, one of the guys from Duran Duran. But oh. he looked like. Yeah, he he has stage four, and I'm just like, the older you get, the more your idols pass away. Uh, so, but Hans, like, he had like his hair was not moosed up. He had on an Italian thin tie and a really nice suit. I hadn't gotten late in six months. I'm like, I'm taking him home. <laughs> and I uh, love it. And it was a one night stand that has lasted now since pretty much 1986. Wow. That's so great. That's we so got great. married Valentine's Day of 91. Wow. I love it. And y'all yeah, congratulations together, right? And yeah, uh, that's how we met. And yeah. we met improvising and uh, doing sketch and doing improv. Um, ergo, ipso facto, which is my new thing I love to say now. Ergo, ipso facto, <laughs> improv relationships do work. <laughs> well, Tasha, so, just, uh, Tasha just married her improv sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. I I think that improv relationships totally work only because I've had many examples in, you know, friendships of people that you're like, wow, you know, our other teammate 
Jesse married his improv sweetheart too. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, it's so a sweet. Whole, it's a whole different thing. Am I right, Miss A? I swear to God, because back in the day, everybody was too afraid to even get close to anyone. And it was always, you know, it's like, you know, whatever stays at an improv festival or happens at an improv festival stays at an improv festival. You know, I was already with Han. So I saw people just struggling and acting crazy. And then, of course, the whole handsy business all through the 90s, the weird, you know, there were just a ton of creeps. Mm, Really? Just... (laughs) You could you could always tell too. You could always tell the creeps because they were always, I mean, like professional alcoholics who are really good at imp- improvisation, who are just plain handsy. You know, one mm. one improviser told me the only reason he got into improv was to get laid. I'm like, you have gotten into the wrong wrong part of theater, sir. Um, there's wow. not enough women here to, and the few. I mean, it's like being very cautious and very guided. That's why. Back in the day, me and people like messing, we played like men, you know, really tough, really hard. Um, And that was protection both on and off stage. Um, There was also the other extra layer for me, too, um, back in the 90s, which was even though I was a woman, I'm African-American. So a lot, not only did you have handsy guys, you also had racist guys, too. I'm like, we you know, it's like uh, we be Negroes at one point were called the dog and pony show. I'm just like, wow. Jeez Louise. Yeah, yeah, I swear to God, it was so different. So when when I do improv now, especially at the ledge, um, and the reason why is it's so different. It's still funny. It's still funny, but it also has meaning to it. It also, it's just, I, I used to call the, I used to call these cats in the nineties edge boys. You know, I'm like, oh, look at you. You're so edgy. Look at you. <laughs> I'm a, let me, let me see how impressed I am. Let me think. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> like, you ain't edgy. You just sad and yeah. drunk. Oh, get, some, get some water and think about what you have done both on and <laughs> off stage. Okay, I, I feel like that's uh, an interesting thing to hear about the 90s because like even the generation coming into improv and then kind of the generation that I was learning with, um, mm-hmm. I feel like there was a big shift in the in drinking before a show, like and even yeah. how it was seen to drink before a show because mm-hmm. I I would never I think I, I think I tried once because so many like older people did where I was like, I'm going to try a little bit of wine before a show. And the thing is I still do. I will have a glass of wine. Yeah. So I, and it's interesting that like, I'm like, it's, that's not like really a habit of mine, but I think that that's something that maybe was abused. And then sometimes people do it, but like extraordinarily abused. Basically you have a drink, you know, I saw, again, I saw things. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen things. That my eyes, my poor eyes. Um, I've seen things where you start off, you start off, you go over to say, you know, like Second City in Chicago, and you go over to Orsi's, the bar that it used to be called when I was there. It's changed a million hands, but it used to be called Orsi's. Um, you go across the street, you have a drink. Generally, you know, a glass of wine. Then you go next door, and then you go upstairs. And then you go and have a drink at the bar, a beer, maybe. 
Then you go in the back and then someone has beer and then you have another beer. So by the time you're on stage, you're tipsy. Yeah. Well, I would be fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you see, you see me say, uh, I'm holding, this is a podcast. I'm showing everybody my leg. That one's hollow. So <laughs> the alcohol pours through the system and into the leg. Uh, so, yeah. so basically I walk out with a very squishy leg filled with, <laughs> you know, back in the day, gin and tonics. Uh, and then you go across the street and then you drink some more. And then you talk, you, you do your bits. And then you go to the other bar that's, you know, across the way from Second City, where supposedly the ghost of uh, Martin DeMott was there, where he used to play pinball when he died. And everyone drink until all hours of the night, close yeah. the place up tumble out, grab a cab, go home, put a bucket next to your bed. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the world starts spinning in bed and then hope, pray that you don't vomit in the middle of the night or do a Jimi Hendrix. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you wake up and go, oh, great, I feel like crap. You eat some eggs, you go and get some more liquid. Then you head back to Second City, rinse, repeat. A lot of people lost i mean became literally functioning alcoholics yeah. back wow. then i mean it's the a lot of the improv uh, theaters have been connected to bars you know like, even mm -hmm. as we were saying with the annoyance and i feel like at ios there was there was a lot of that going on but yes. we were we were just like of uh, a slightly younger generation a slightly younger generation with people my generation teaching you right yeah right I don't know if any of you cats have seen it, but guess uh, guess who's coming to dinner uh, with Sidney Poitier? Uh, uh, it's an interracial, kind of an interracial thing, but Sidney Poitier. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, the monologue that he does, Travis, where it's, you know, until the weight of your generation mm. gets off your back, until the weight of my generation, I'm 57 years old, I'm three from 60. I look great. You look great. <laughs> thank you. And then, you know, how, wait, 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 hold up. Hold up, Tiger. Travis, what, how old are you? I am uh, 37. No, see, I, no, you, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have tried that hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miss A, how old are you? I am 34. Okay. You're roughly rolling around where I can almost do, could have done could have had you as a daughter. Um, people ask me why I look so young. And I, I go, I, I go, how old are you? And sometimes they go 30, 25. I go, you know why I look young? <laughs> I <didn't> have you. <laughs> <laughs> I you gotta stay young. You keep your youth. I, I learned that it's easier. I have improv children. You see, mm -hmm. I can, yeah. I can talk about the, my experiences pass a little knowledge on, feed you, and then you can go home to your real parents. Um, I love it. That's that's the way I figure it. Uh, so, yeah. And plus, also, I have a child who snores and interrupts me. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks like Duran Duran, though. So yeah, that's true. Right, right, now he's like, right now, he's looking like an old, you know, a, a thinner George Lucas without the money. <laughs> <laughs>
As long as he doesn't go back to looking like a Nazi, we should be fine. His mom was a Nazi. Um, an actual honest to God met Hitler twice Nazi. Boy, was she surprised to see me. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, oh, she wow. disowned Hans for a week and then called him up and said, Hansi, why haven't you called me? It's like, well, you know, the object is to not talk to each other. You just I was only kidding. Then she ruined Thanksgivings for us. Oh my for, god. Forever? Or for, yeah, well, at least until she died. Yeah. Oh. And she died and she died on it. I wrote a book called uh Lesbian Dancing After the Show, an Improviser's Not Improvised Life. I have a chapter that says why mother-in-law jokes exist. Mm. So it goes through everything I went through with her, and then there would be mother-in-law jokes in between each story. <laughs> Mostly Bro, by yeah. Shecky Green. So uh <laughs> So, yeah, it's this is I, I think the doors has said it best. This is the strangest life I've ever known. Um, wow. So and I'm, you know, my improv life has been with Hans. Yeah. Um, we actually just did a show Friday where we weren't planning on doing a show. We ended up uh, wanting to just run the theater because that's what I'm here for. I'm not here to perform when I do the ledge. I need other people to perform and be part of this community and be diverse and be awesome. That's if I ever become, and I'll say it out loud on your podcast. <laughs> if I ever become the black Sharna Halpern killed me. <laughs> just, you got it. Just, just walk up to me, just walk up to me and just don't even announce that you're going to kill me. Just say, you know what this is about. <laughs> what you did. Well, just to just to be clear, what exactly do you mean by that? Um, what do you mean by that being the black shadow helper? Yeah, what's yeah. the fear? Like, what's the behavior the that would make you is, feel like you're there? Is the fear is micromanaging. Mm. The the fear is thinking that there's only one thing that's only good, and that's it. Mm. Only following one guru because I don't believe in gurus not paying people having a real business model. And that's why we're not for profit. I literally just got finished talking to my lovely Jeffrey Thompson. I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. This you is not in my hand. Yeah, who doesn't love Jeff, right? He's so know. great. Jeff, Jeffrey Thompson. Yeah. I call you know who what I call him though. I call him Q-tip head because he got the prettiest, <laughs> he got the prettiest hair I've ever seen. I mean, that's why oh, he's called hair sweet man. You know sweet man, yeah. it's gorgeous, and he can play. He, he's a musician, and he right brain, left brain thinking. He literally got a hold of him. Was like, hey Sean, what we make in 2021? I'm like, brother, we weren't open in 21 yet. <laughs> I'm like, but I can go and give you everything from February. This is everything I've been dealing with today. Um, I tried to keep myself out of it and just pass stuff off to the board. I'm like, Jeff, I don't want to do taxes for the ledge. You tell me how much as a board member, you go for it. He's he's the one who made us nonprofit. Wow. Mm. He did all that. He did the full form. Jeff did the full form. I My board is fire. My yeah. board is fire. And the thing is, if I ever become Shana, Shana would not let anybody run anything. Well, just right off the bat, I I don't think you have to. I mean, it's good that you have that awareness, but the things you've said about you have improv kids and you treat the, the communities like family, and you've got this really collaborative thing. Your yeah. your whole essence, your whole project, everything about the Ledge Theater and and who you are is just warm, 
And I don't well, know. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be joyous, isn't yeah. it? I don't know if Sharna's ever been described as warm. So no, no, I clay at the most, unless you're molding the clay, it might get a little warm. Guys, watch, watch Sharna listen to this and send us an angry letter. I know. What is she? Me and me and Sharna, it's like she'll just go. It's Sean anyway. Don't even sweat that. She sends you an angry letter. You send it to me. And then I actually, and then I'll look at go. I'll look at it again. Go. Then I'll go. Then I'll go. Well, the world is better again. Let's use this as an opportunity to segue into the Ledge Theater and talk about it a little more specifically. For anyone who isn't aware, the Ledge Theater is a new theater company slash cause that that you've spearheaded here, and it's just such a great thing that's happening and i'm really just impressed that you're doing it i'm also a little bit confused why when all these theaters are closing you're like let's start a new one because Uh, (laughs) i'm insane (laughs) but it's so great and there's a space a much needed space to be filled and i'm glad you're filling it so please the floor is yours well here's here's the thing when um acme closed that's how it all started Mm -hmm. we were doing shows armando was there um with you know the old io crew and uh i believe i cannot remember his name who was running it uh josh i believe um yes ended up yeah josh spence ended up um walking into the walking to the space he had cleared it out in the middle of the night whoa and i swear to god i was i literally posted on facebook i said so i I ended up getting on um, the realtors, you know, to go and look at that space to see how much it was. And I found out how much it was. And I got on to Facebook and very jokingly said, so um, Acme's gone. Who would like to give me $400,000 to start a theater, to buy the space? And then everyone said, you should do it. And I said, I'm old enough. I I know enough about how to run a produce and run a business. We've I've done it before. Hmm. So on a bet on Facebook, I said, if I'm gonna do this, it needs to be diverse. It needs to be diverse. All of our voices, all equal parts of everyone, and not just African American. I mean, everyone, people of color, of Asian influence, of African influence, religious, LGBTQIA+, my disabled community. I want everyone. I will build, I will build ADR ramps in the space that we're currently in to get people on stage. I want it diverse. I also want different styles of improvisation because the thing that I've noticed with most improvisational theaters is we have to be this. We have to be Harold. We have to be edgy. We have to be X. We can't have short form. We only can have long form. I don't want short form. I don't want long form. That's not, I want improv. And sketch 
or impromptu sketch. Because that's where I come from. What we do is theater. Am I, what I don't want, I don't, if you guys come in, I know that we've been trained to be call your, to call yourself a team. When you come to the ledge, storm chaser, storm chaser, bleh, bleh, bleh. storm chaser is an ensemble. Because goddamn it, I'm bringing bougie back. I'm bringing bougie back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you motherfuckers this, don't know how to act. <laughs> this is amazing because when we, but after the pandemic, we were talking about doing a show, and I think we agreed on the fact that if we were going to do a show, it wasn't going to feel like the lackadaisical improv culture Get up on stage that had really with taken a root. Beer and throwing chairs, kind of improvisation. Yeah, yeah, showing up late, not like Ooh. not treating it as a theatrical experience. Yeah. You know? I have a thing about time, by the way. Yeah. Um, I will literally judge an ensemble by how many people have are at the show by call. Our show's at eight. Your mm. call is at 730. If the entire ensemble is there at 730, then I can trust you. I, without saying their names, not that long ago at the ledge, ensemble showed up literally during the show, members during the show. I was not there for the show. I was briefed on that. And I said, nope, once bitten, once bitten, nope, I can't trust you. You might be the most amazing ensemble in the universe, but I can't trust you. To be on time, the audience is here. Why aren't you? Wow. What's up? What's wrong with what's what's wrong with that? It's not taking. We do wacky make em ups, but we need to take our wacky make em ups just a little bit seriously, just a touch, to at least show up on time. And maybe I don't know, take a shower before the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're taking people's time and we're taking people's money to come see exactly. this show. Exactly. Yeah. You, I'm, you know, I'm charging fifteen dollars with a million discounted tickets all over the place. But you know what? My audience, when people go, I couldn't traffic. The moment someone says traffic to me in Los Angeles, the first thing I say is, "How long have you been living here? An hour?" <laughs> You know good and well, if you're coming from North Hollywood into Hollywood, you probably want to, and your call is at 7.30, brother man, take it from me. You probably want to leave at 5. Um, just uh, And then the fine parking, especially uh, around Heliotrope. And also, that's also the same with the pack, too. If your show's mm -hmm. an egg at the pack theater, you better pray on a stack of Bibles that you're going to find something down one of these side streets. It's <laughs> that's just... That's so true. It's just one of, it's just one of those things. We're talking about so much of improv like across the country. Really like I felt like a bubble burst. Yeah. Almost like people got tired of running these theaters and trying to make them work. Do you have any I I'm sure you've thought about this to death. What do you think went wrong with some of those theaters? And uh first off me too really did not help at all. Mm -hmm. Um because people did not know how to have a business plan with real with real management to go and deal with the handsy creeps who have been around improvisational theater for decades. You know, so the leaders are being called out. 
That was the big one. Second one, just bad business planning. Look, you can't run a theater by letting everyone come in and say, oh, the bar will take care of everything. The bar has always been the toggle piece of a business plan in improv theater. It's like, and what makes it even worse is let's not even tell the general masses that this bar exists. Let's just go and get all of our improvisers drunk and make them pay for booze. Wow. You know, so you're, so let's see, let, it's one, basically most improv theaters have been a Ponzi scheme. To be honest with you, let's see. Booze and classes. Booze and classes, not, not art. Booze and classes. The person who can basically, I don't want to be, literally said when this place closed here in Los Angeles, I don't run a theater, I run a restaurant. I run a bar restaurant. The theater was just, you know, the extra toggle piece. Maybe some people. First paid. off, where's the food? Second, <laughs> this is when you're like, huh, it makes it makes improv feel like a cult. Uh, but, and, but that's the thing. <laughs> Don't you realize the food was in Chicago? Oh, hmm. I see. The, the In the multi-million dollar plex that's now an open space that they're playing to reopen again, supposedly. I don't know when. Um, it's That's the problem. It's the strong business plan. So when I decided to do this. I think this, it opens next week. I think so, too. Um, but under brand new management. Hopeful and, and Godspeed. And mm-hmm. Godspeed, fingers crossed. I will never. The more theater, the better. The more theater, the better. So if IO Chicago opens up under new management and does it right this time, that would be great. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It's run by venture capitalists like the other space. But you know what? They got money to make it better. They'll maybe have real HR. They, it, it, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping it's not that it's not a glorified bar that just happens to have a rinky dink theater inside of it. I hope they actually care about the actors and the performers and the staff. And that's the same thing here. And the thing is Chicago is just as expensive as here, actually a little less, but yeah, I, I did the due diligence a couple of days ago. A good example is I ended up raising because I'm always on the raising money tip at this point because we're a nonprofit. So it's the California arts council. It's the national endowment of the arts Council, city council here, um, all through Hollywood, talking to them about finding space. And there's a lot of them. The problem is they expensive AF. Um, I found out uh, that Second City, the old space in Hollywood that is now completely gutted out as I saw the pictures. Mm. Guess how much that is a month? Ooh, $10,000. Go up higher. No. 20,000? Go up higher. No! Stop it. I can't do it. 26. For the second city space? For the second city space? A month. So you're talking about a five-year lease is roughly about 1.7. Whoa. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And and y'all been in that space. You got to carry 
people in a wheelchair up the stairs. There yeah. is no, <laughs> there is a, uh, like I, 300 stairs. Up, yeah. You have to carry me up the stairs. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like a good luck with that. Uh, so yeah. Um, and, and there's a little parking over there too. I mean, you can find a little easier, but still, yeah. 1.7. Wow. Um, absolutely out of control. So it's harder to, when you are looking at that, you know, particular idea of a space. That's why the complex is so vital because you can rent that space out for less money at either the top on the second floor or the Ruby or the, or the Dory, which is where the the black church now is. Mm. Uh, there's a, it's great. It's great going and teaching classes on Sundays and literally my, yeah, from eight to like 10 o'clock, I get there early and the floor is still bouncing from Baptist music. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's Maxwell Church. (laughs) Are there there other improv theaters that are nonprofits that you know of? Uh, Let me think. Uh, Actually, there's a couple. Um, I know Angel City Improv, um, Mm. City of Angels is nonprofit. Mm. Um, And they actually have... uh, hook themselves with a theater company that's been around the longest non-for-profit theater um, in Los Angeles. Um, so they're nonprofit. And there's a, um, I know there's a couple in Detroit. I know there's several in Hawaii. So there's a lot of, outside of Los Angeles, there's a lot of non, non-for-profit mm-hmm. theaters that also do improvisational comedy and improvisational theater. So, I think what shies a lot of people away from a nonprofit status um, is not even the fact that you are, you know, it's literally PBS. You're always asking for money. When I ran a for-profit improv ensemble, I was, I was the workhorse. I was one who basically did classes to go and fund the theater. So pretty much the same kind of way the pack has been too. The pack is very communistic and I love it. Um, <laughs> It's just like, you know, pay what you must. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask a bigger picture question of, you know, because it's like you're talking about all the stuff you have to get to just record improv. You know, it's like all the things they didn't tell us we would have to do when we signed up to be doing this thing that we love to do. Yeah. And all of the things that you're having to do to create this space for a diverse set of voices in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, Why? Why, why is this important to you? Why is this important to me? Because I think improvisational theater is an art form. I think it's an art form. I think it's vital theater. And keep in mind, I worked in prisons doing improvisation. It's also a great learning tool. It's, it's an amazing for drama therapy. If you're doing it that musical theater, physical theater, um, improvisational storytelling, it's all theater to me. And for kids specifically, because I want to start my youth in, uh, you know, my arts and educational programming. This is just for me, Andrew. For me, if it wasn't for improvisational theater, I wouldn't know where I would be. I don't know where I would be. I'd probably be doing fine. But I know that the art of improvisation has me thinking faster. It has me working harder. It has me on the spot problem solving. 
It's a vital skill in the millions of toolbox as an actor. Andrew, I'm an actor who just happens to improvise. That's how I feel. And how I feel is everyone who, uh, from an artistic creative tip, needs to have a space to learn the skill and to play in the skill and to be in the skill. And if we don't have the space, you know, people always joke, it's like, you know, if you don't market your theater, you're doing improv in the wind, it's like inherit the wind. It's like you're doing improvisation in the wind. Uh, but the thing is, it doesn't matter if there isn't any space. And so be it. If I need to create it, then so be it. There needs to be more of us and more community. You know, not this competitive bullshit that, you know, is IOs over here and impros over there. And, you know, you know, the pack is like, everyone come in and it's free, which is the most community that we've had. Um, we need to be more community. I swear to God, guys, I told Miles and also Royce, who happens to also be on the board of the ledge. I love Royce. Oh, who doesn't? Yeah. He, he a hustler? I oh, love yeah. that brother. I oh, love yeah. that hustling brother. He, I love his email trail of, I, and I'm a, the associate director of this, and I run that, and I run this, and I own the theater, and I run the theater, and I dance and I sing. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Royce. I told both Royce and I, because I consider us community. If something happens at the complex, where the pack loses their space, you know what? There's room at the ledge. We'll just, we'll share the fucking space because we're community and the pack has a lush, wonderful, crazy as community of which I love. That's for sure. That's for sure. I think that's the thing that I miss the most having improv bubbles burst in that way is the the gathering space and the community mm-hmm. because you, you still have individuals and we can still kind of geek out about improv like I do with these guys, but there's yeah, yeah. something very special about uh, not just seeing your best friends in the art form, but also just seeing, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Well, I think it's so good for your mental health and it's just so I think beautiful. so too. So here's, here's the thing to say, this is something that we used to do before the, you know, before all of us hung out at bars, you know, to have that community somebody anybody this is why i have early thanksgivings where every improviser i know comes over here and we eat and we smack down uh, my favorite god uh who brought the who brought the sausage roll basically i had two turkeys and everyone from the pack was here i mean this it was just dave chow chow they dave c brought the sausage roll so it's all of us are just chowing now we need now that and then the pandemic hit and it was harder. Yeah. It was more difficult for us to go and gather, obviously, you know, unless we're in a square box where you can't see our legs. And but that's changing now. But for but for all purposes, I we don't have that space. So the thing is, when you don't have the space, when we lose our physical space, we create another space. And whether it be, you know, somewhat we do a show someplace. And, you know, we can't go to a bar. Find the closest house. Black folks have been doing it for decades. We used to call them rent parties. 
And then the 80s hit me, used to call them house parties, you know, where you get 300 brothers and sisters in one room and we're just all like doing kind of a, you know, like the Errol Flynn, we used to call it the Errol Flynn, like 800 people in a room. We make that space. So somebody needs to take charge. I'm not going to live forever. I mean, I'll keep doing it until, you know, I drop, but somebody needs to take that charge of creating that open, welcome, and unlike the 90s, that safe space where everyone can be, have a drink, have some anosh, and hang out and talk some bullshit. Every, you know, do your bits there. Do your, we, y'all call them bits. Back in the day, I, I, us black folks back in the 60s and 70s, we call them the numbers. Your mama so yeah, yo, your mama's so big. Your mama's so big. How she man, her welcome now. She's so ugly. How ugly is she? Well, you know, she has a welcome, she has a welcome mat. And it doesn't say welcome, it just says, well. <laughs> you know, we just do numbers on each other. Um, uh, so it's we find that space where it's you know, we're joking with each other, we're laughing with each other, we're finding our bits, we're finding the things that make it relevant. And then we bring that, we don't bring our bits on stage because that's hack. You go and take those moments and make real truth and comedy. The reason why Hans and I do so, we can literally just do a show in 10 minutes because we have shared experiences that will always be funny, wrapped in a nice little tasty package of beat scat at the top, beat scat at the end, and story time somewhere in the middle. Mm. I want a shirt that says "Don't bring your bits on stage." That's hack. That's hack. Yeah. I'd wear that. I will wear that. Sh- I will wear that. Like I, a would you billboard. like me to make it on Cafe Press? I'll put it in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I, yeah. I yeah. will buy that you shirt. Buy that? You Link better. Yeah, I would. Don't bring your bio. bits on stage. That's hack. Yeah. I'll just. I'll just make it for you. I'll just okay. make it for you, and then I'll go. And that's your Christmas present. <laughs> Don't do bits. That's just hack. That shit's awesome. hack, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's so, so there great. it is, man. So, Sean, what? What can we, what can our listeners do to, uh, A, specifically help the Ledge Theater, and then maybe B, help, you know, the cause of a more inclusive, safer comedy world? Everyone who's listening uh, who would like to go and have this cause um, go for, especially our arts and educational programming for youth, um, they can get on Ledge Theater, R-E, Englishway.org. And there's a million ways to give. Uh, Network for Good, PayPal Giving Fund. You can literally get on PayPal, um, PayPal Smile. Oh, no, uh, Amazon, Amazon Smile. And you can literally start buying your crap off of Amazon. You know, that $500 that you thought you didn't need. And you can go and give to the Ledge Theater. We're on Amazon. Um, That's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. So so you can literally set it up if you get onto Microsoft um, and you start cruising outside of Chrome. You can go and literally give to the Ledge Theater. We're on Microsoft Edge. So you can go and keep giving that way. Uh, Also, you can give on Facebook um, onto our Facebook wall. You can hit donate. Goes directly to Network for Good which is the major funding for all social media platforms. If you get onto uh, TikTok and you reset your donation, you can find the ledge. 
Uh, so there's a million. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, well, you don't fool around here. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't fool around here. We're the, the most organized nonprofit you can find. It's all about the PBS funding. Um, you can get on to um, our website and buy some merch. Shoes. I, I don't I don't like the T-shirts, honestly, but the shoes are kind of kick ass. I actually have a pair. Um, I, bought, I bought a pair. Yeah, it has like two le- ledge things. It's quiet. It's underrated, understated. So if I start my own improv ensemble with the ledge, they can wear the shoes. You can barely see it. You can wear anything the hell you want. Just don't have a big ledge theater on your shirt. You know, like your <laughs> like your children at a at a camp. Um, <laughs> so, it's so weird. Uh, but uh, but there's a million different ways of doing it. Um, and the other question, what was the second toggle of that? Uh, yeah, just what can people do to help uh, create a more inclusive and safe uh, comedy space? Since that's something that definitely needs work. Keep your mindset to this. Care about other people. Care about other people. It's really difficult in 20. I mean, we're coming up to an election that I'm so afraid I'm so afraid. Just know that care about each other. Care about each other. What I used to I used to say this, I used to say it a long time ago, which is treat other people the way you wish to be treated yourself. Then I realized some people like to be treated like assholes. <laughs> um so treat people the way you wish the world would be in general something good, something wonderful right away, something inclusive and diverse. If you look at someone and you immediately say, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to play well because they're Latino. Then you get out of improv, get out of improvisation. Well, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if her, talking points are going to be just completely about being a lesbian. Get out of improvisation. If you don't know how to change the pronouns correctly to make someone feel comfortable, get the fuck out. Yeah. Get out of theater too. Get out of theater. Just, we are theater. Yeah. Improv is theater. Just get out, get out, start a knitting circle with QAnon. Just get out. (laughs) Um, be able, be able to empathize, be able to be funny while punching up. You know who the bad guys are. Those are the ones you go for. If you're, I say it for people who, when I teach, if you're going to play a bad guy, play it big. Don't shy away from the bad guy. We need to see the bad guy. Yeah. Every story needs a good bad guy. Yeah. A good story needs a good bad guy. And always know, like Popeye, like Charlie Chaplin, the bad Ludo, and every character that made fun of the little tramp, they always got their comeuppance, didn't they? Mm Mm-hmm. They always got their comeuppance. Let's go back to that. I'm tired of mean girls now. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm tired of the mean girl thing. I'm tired of shock jocks. I'm, I'm, I'm tired with all the due respect to them. I'm tired of shows like Tim and Eric. I'm tired of these shows. 
I want I I uh, I uphold Abbott Elementary. It's funny. It's smart. It's witty. It's diverse. We need more of that in improvisation. Martin DeMott, they named the theater after him. He was my mentor. He was the one who taught me this. He used to say, your improv should be deeper than an ashtray. It needs to be deeper and it can still be funny and biting, whether you're just walking on the moon or you're doing social comedy on relationships or you're talking about politics. Just be smarter and be kind. Know who the bad guy is. Hmm. In the improv world, in our world as actors, who are you? Are you Popeye or are you Bluto? Which one are you? And if you're Bluto, you're going to take a fall. And by the way, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got to say about it. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, you know, I... When I first moved to L.A., I did an internship for a comedy manager who managed big comedians like Sherry O'Terry, Tracy Morgan, big names. Ah, Tracy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Tracy. He didn't, he didn't get right until something bad happened to him. Um, poor Tracy. Yeah. And uh-huh. actually, the manager talked about that. I won't get into that. But uh, it was funny because I... I started a show at IO West and when I did that, I didn't have time to do the internship anymore. So I told him, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to continue with this internship. I got this improv show that I'm starting up and it's going to take a lot of time and work. And he said, well, I'll just give you one piece of advice. And that advice is be the best person on stage. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, that's a strain that like in a way i felt in los angeles it's it's not about caring about the other person it's about being fight fight the, fight win win yeah, win yeah exactly win 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 it's just i don't know if it's a sport culture of like i need to be the best i need to win the championship kind of a thing i feel like i've been caught up in that at points in my life when mm-hmm. i've been on stage in improv too and I feel like that culture is very strong, but you're pointing at something that is just antithetical to that. And so much more community-based and human-based and relationship-based, which is just so refreshing to hear. And still be funny. And still be funny because somehow or another, humanity and empathy and kindness to humans somehow got etched out of comedy. Let's let's bring it back. Let's bring that back. Amen. you know, can I can I get an amen up in here? <laughs> amen. <laughs> but but and that's the thing. The thing is, and keep in mind, I've been living here in LA um, since I mean, or California in general since 2000, but moved up here uh, to LA in 2009. And the first thing I said when I walked into IL West was, "Bring me the head of Queen Latifah." <laughs> uh, which I thought was hilarious because I knew everybody would compare me to her. Um, and then cut to three years later when I was her body double, but of course. <laughs> and uh, she's lovely. She's absolutely lovely. She's a wonderful lady. Um, but the thing is, it's always been competitive in Los Angeles because there's so many of us here. There's so yeah. many actors here 
doing voiceover and improv and sketch and and dramatic work and 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 so it's gonna have it be the best you can be now in theory i'm going to give you something when i i i do short form also i love doing short form it's very funny with comedy sports to me because i'm still on the back end of comedy sports san jose and you know, I, I love doing the do run run. That's my Pavlov dog <laughs> game. A-E-I-O-U Sean. You if you got that down, you pretty much have that pattern game down. But when and same with theater sports too, um, unless they're doing genre work, which is a whole different style outside of theater sports. But when you're doing comedy sports, they say, you know, support, support the other ensemble. So everyone looks good on stage. I came from this. I want to win. I want to win. I want to actually physically win. I got myself in that mindset for only one reason. In order to win, you need to be supportive. And you need to be community. And you need to go and support the other team on the other side. So I'm going to support the living shit out of everyone. And I'm going to lay back. Because if it means that my team wins for being the most supportive and caring, then good on us, better theater. So there's nothing wrong with being competitive. It's just how that competitive transmogrify, it transmogrifies itself into some, into some crazy adrenaline-ridden, testosterone-nutty, uh, you, know, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's improvisers in the back room doing coke and just getting ready to go and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to win. I'm going to be the best on stage. It's destructive. I think that the thing that I like about clown and also being, being an actor is that, you know, you do want to win, but it's also fun to be the loser. It's fun to be the loser in a scene. It's fun to be the loser in in as a clown. And so you yes. play to win, but but also take pleasure in losing. Like there's not a it it, it really changed clown, my mindset about competitiveness. Clown work is, you know, clown work is so is so perfect in this example because I love clowning. And and the thing is, you know, who has higher status? who has lower status, there is nothing more fun than playing low status. Yeah. Because I'm sorry, the low status characters have the most fun and there's nothing better when the comeuppance happens on the lower status character to the higher status character. You know, yes, I can play this all day long. Yes, darling. Yes, go and get me my stay. You're lovely. Really, you're not. But it is what it is what it is. I can do this character all day long. But my favorite character is like, okay, okay, whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you want. <laughs> and then go, and then, and then turning around going, yeah, I'm smiling like I'm dead inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, it's, there's more, there's a lot of fun playing both status characters, but my joy is playing a low status character. And at the end of it, that comeuppance, that comeuppance. Yeah. That character that beats Donald Trump character. Yeah, mm-hmm. that character, you know, because he's the fool character. He's the fool character in Commedia or in clown work. He's the fool character. And you want the lower status character to win. Um, look at look at your Shakespeare. 
Look at your Shakespeare. Um, you'll find a million lovely clown work ideas within Shakespeare too. So, and you know, a little bit of Moliere too. So, yeah, hmm. yeah. Nerd, look at my uh, big theater nerd pants on. Yeah, uh, well, you're in good company. You're in good company. Tosh just Yay. did a whole summer at a Shakespeare festival playing. Which a- one? Oh my god, which one, Tosh? <laughs> um, I was at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Nice. You hear about the, the Oregon kerfuffles? I've heard a little. I, I've heard of, from a few people who um, have been up there recently. So that's uh, wow, there's security, so much going on. Security for the AD. Yeah. Wow. It's very. It's it's you know there. It's crazy. Anytime somebody's like trying to change things, make how, it different and new. There's going to be the headbutt, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you got to be brave. And mm-hmm. uh, and she's brave. Have support. And she's yeah. brave. I have. That's just the. That's just I have so much pride in, you know. Yeah, that's I mean, that's such a beautiful thing to 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 hear and to see, because I think that the people at Utah Shakes and I would tell them to their face could be braver. And they and I think that there are some steps that they've taken, but um, there's more. more. Yeah, there's a lot more work to do because most most uh, uh, Shakespeare theater companies and festivals happen in places like Oregon and Utah and out in beautiful kind of pasture land. Mm-hmm. Um, have you talked to the Honolulu uh, Shakespeare rep people? Mm-mm. Please do. I will hook you up with our Kevin Garcia Doyle, who you should have on this show, by the way, who can talk your ear off about, because he actually was part of Shakespeare, you know, the Shakespeare festival in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Um, he does things even online. My God, he did as you like it as a cartoon in mm-hmm. Zoom boxes, and cool. oh, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. The our Kevin is well; he's my friend, and so I will talk all day about him. I, I think almost every podcast, I'm dropping his name because <laughs> oh, I love that. He is he's so talented. He also works at uh, La Jardine in Honolulu. He's their theater teacher there, um, wow. and he's kind of brilliant. He created a whole new universe of D and D. Oh, the guy is just brilliant. Cool. So, so y'all, first off, A, Storm Chaser needs to have our Kevin Garcia Doyle on their podcast. And secondly, Tosh, you need to talk to him about Honolulu because he can talk your ear off about the whole Shakespeare crew out there. And cool. also just nationally because he was also one of the judges nationally for it, too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I'd love to connect with him. That's fantastic. Yeah. Love to have you. This is what I do. <laughs> This is what I do. I feed people. I connect people. We are family. I got all my sisters with me. I can't, I can't wait to do a show and then end up uh, at one of your house parties. (laughs) 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 I wanted to ask like, what do you see as, I mean, maybe this is the same answer as you had before, but like. I'll give them again. Yeah, sure. Like, what do you, what do you think are the main, um, opportunities that the improv community has going forward or maybe asked a different way like what are problems that you have faced that would be good to maybe bring into the light even more than it is now um, uh the problems and issue are you talking just nationally or just here in los angeles um you could speak to here in los angeles but also i feel like at large because i feel like right now at large improv is still kind of struggling to find its to refine its identity as mm-hmm. a larger community. So 
Well, I think the major problems that need to be faced is getting people who started on Zoom and improv used to being in person. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's so, for the last two years, people started improv online. Wow. I don't even think about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so when I started, when Hans and I started going back to the theater, it was, I call, you know, my regular crew, usual suspects who have done, you know, who, who a million shots in masks on going out, we're going back out. We're tired of zoom, but people who are on zoom is like, I don't want to be in person. I'm comfortable here in my home. Um, isn't this what improv is about? I think that's one of the major hurdles. Also, the major hurdle of getting people back into the theater as an audience. Um, having people be comfortable with being in smaller spaces with little to no air conditioning, if you're lucky, um, and being around people laughing without masks on. So there's still the fear there. So I think what we need to combat that is to have our spaces, the ones that are still open, safe, to assure the public that they're safe, to assure them that it's going to be okay if you do not feel comfortable without having a mask on, we have them at the front with hand sanitizer. Because we're a community, but with every community, everyone's different. We're all different people who have different viewpoints, some very good, some not very good. Everybody's just still getting their bearings. You know, this is the end of 2022. People are still getting worried. Then the flu comes along, the whole nine yards. At this point, it's all about health. Those are the major obstacles right now. And people who have learned improv on Zoom who are afraid to come out of Zoom. Yeah. Wow. They're used they're used to being comfortable in their home doing the wacky makeup ups on their bums. I mean, it's, it seems like the same or a, an adjacent problem that uh improvisers face early on is same just getting shit, used to discomfort. Year. Yeah, same it's like a shit, different year. Different um, vehicle for the same I don't want to be uncomfortable and I don't want to exactly. have to be brave. It's too scary. Yeah. Um this is, you know, it's it's the comfort of so the idea is breaking people out of that comfort zone. Uh, the class that I'm doing uh, right now at the PAC, uh, there is one very funny woman who was like, this is the first time I've ever been in person in a class. Wow. Uh, and I just went, oh, I'm glad. She goes, I came to you because I was in a Zoom class with you. So everybody's getting used to being live again. That's one of the major hurdles. The second major hurdle is a physical space, this is just business. Even though the rents um, and buying a space in Los Angeles is actually going down, the spaces have to come down in rent for people to get interested in reinvesting in theater, where at least in my case, because we're nonprofit and because we can actually say, you know, we can actually go and look for a space and say we're nonprofit and actually get that space given to us or raise that money to do that for a nonprofit LLC. It's a little harder. 
It's a little yeah. hard to come up with that investment capital to go and start a business. This is just the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. This is the stuff most actors don't know about. Yeah. You know, you know well, we, we just I mean, they, congrats and, on on making it happen though. That's like it's very cool. Andrew left, he went away. <laughs> I I'm sure I'm sure he's still there. Okay. Maybe his camera it, died. Okay. Did you know his his microphone's on? Oh, no, he is gone. Oh, well, no. I feel like we're getting pretty close to. I don't want to. We don't want to keep you all night. I always hate the part where it's like time to wrap up because literally. Well, I have. I have what is in the kitchen now is uh, sausage and peppers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with pierogies, um, with fresh basil because I grow it in, in there. This is why you need to come over because we everybody needs when you come to my house. That's why I wanted to have it here. We just have all our blue mics. I love it. That would be so room. fun. That would be so fun. Next time, Tosh is out of town right now. So next time we're all in town, we'll have to get you back on again and we'll all just have a big party. We just, we, yeah, we just pull yeah. out the blue mics. Uh-huh. I go and plug everybody into one system and then we just do this. I'm I love in. it. I'm in. Well, right, you've cool. been you've been on our list for a really long time. We're so glad. Yeah, we're thank you so much. You, you yeah. are so welcome. We're so excited. I can't for wait the to ledge. hear it. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it on Apple. Hey, we're gonna um, listen on Apple. <laughs> everybody <laughs> yeah, listen on right. Apple. Yeah, everyone um, listen on and Apple. And for anybody who wants to know about the ledge shows that are coming up, um, we have all uh, all Latino ensemble with um, some of the Funes's uh, Fernando's uh, crew coming in. Yeah, for sh- sh- another just another great guy. And that, he's Fernando. amazing. Yeah, Fernando, an amazing improviser, an amazing mm-hmm. writer. Um, so some of Fernando's crews coming in, of course, downtown Menagerie, which is I, I love uh, some amazing crew coming out of that. Um, I want to go and get Frangela back in, yeah. which is Angela Shelton, Francis Collier. Uh, those are my girls. Um, yeah, because <laughs> old black women, let's just do <laughs> this. Um, the lineup and just, are always a plus at the ledge. Every time I see a new show, I'm like, man, this is just such a great, a great selection of people. We, we try very hard and I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, I, I do not book again, hands off, hands off. I have someone who books and you probably know who he is. Yeah, we love Ryan too. <laughs> yeah, we love Ryan because it's the verge. You have to have at least one white guy doing That's something. right. And if you're gonna have one white guy, Ryan's, Ryan's the one. The Ryan's guy. Guy. Ryan Ryan guy. is the one. Yeah, yeah, he's the white guy. He is the most amazing. He came. Him and Hans came. I did a pitch uh, with Black Girl Ventures (BGV). Um, we ended up getting nine thousand dollars, which is great. Which yeah. will you know help us run through, which is great, and. It's, I called it a bringer show. <laughs> BGV was a bringer show. It was just like, you know, it's, and I only brought two people and they were both white. And <laughs> just a bunch of sisters out there. And Hans is, and basically Hans and Ryan ended up helping people set up stuff because that's what my crew does. Um, even with two people in the house, everyone was just like, my slides weren't working. It just <sighs> everything, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Mm. But it was right. I my clicker wasn't working because they didn't change slides. So I just started doing a 1970s elementary school thing for the tech person. So I basically just pointed a mime clicker and just went boop. Yes. <laughs> so I was doing that literally through my entire pitch. I get off stage. I'm it. I'm spinning as an actor in my own living hell. I'm just like, Omaze is there. PayPal is there. 
goddamn. It's just like I want to I want to be on Omaze. And I'm just like, not after that bullshit. Oh no. And I get off stage. I'm just miserable as hell. I start drinking. <laughs> good wine, because it, black folks know how to drink a good wine. And <laughs> Ryan walks up to me and I'm like, I'm in hell. And Ryan Hitchcock literally looked at me and he goes, Sean, you're amazing. And I said, I didn't feel it. He goes, everyone loves you. Yeah. Because you covered their asses for fucking up your tech. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. And then then Ryan was like, the moment they screwed up your slides, the moment I knew you owned this room. Yeah. I love that. That's Ryan Hitchcock. Bless Ryan. He's so great. I I compare everybody I know to somebody else. He's Willy Wonka. He's Willy Wonka. (laughs) Very true. Perfect. I lived with Ryan for a hot second during lockdown, and uh, he would uh, just knock on me and my uh, fiance at the time's door and be like, do you guys want a cocktail? And then he'd like make us the most fancy cocktail and put it in like he has these really cool glasses and just and that and then be like, you guys want to watch a movie? And like, I kind of felt like he was like hosting our evenings. Like, that's just like what he he was like the host that evening. The sweetest man. Love him so much. The first when we were still doing our show. Shows here with the seniors improv comedy. There were very few people who I asked to actually, when the pandemic started loosening up, I got a hold of Ryan. I said, Ryan, want to come over to the house and do the seniors and we'll just run through the house and pretend this is an entire set. It was the funniest show we did. Oh, yes. And basically, we, the, our OBS person in Austin is literally following Ryan, who's running from the dining room, running around into, into this living room. It was you got this. It's online okay. because I gave him an internet movie. Everybody who was on the show got an internet movie database credit. Because oh, nice. We, yeah. Our Zoom did not look like Zoom. Our Zoom looked like, you know, a low end, you know, two camera comedy. Yeah. Heck yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. You you're, are so welcome. Uh, you're a real force. And I'm uh, I, I'm so happy to have heard your stories and, and get your advice and. Um, I can't wait to support your theater more. And you all you. need to come to the theater. Just walk in. You're all yeah, pumped. You know you are. <laughs> Absolutely not. We're oh. we're getting those tickets. Yeah, come on. We're supporting either, that well, cause well, for sure. e- well, either that or you know you can do something wacky like oh I don't know um, schedule you or something. <laughs> We would the be. only reason you have me on this show is so <laughs> we're just show. trying to get yeah. that. We're just trying to get that spot. We're just trying to get that. Well, spot just, on the show. I, it, it doesn't take much. It, I mean, it doesn't. No, it doesn't take much. Only thing you have to do is ask. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that. And www.ledgetheater.org for everybody who wishes to donate. For all you rich people who are listening on this podcast, please. Give us money so we can find a home of our own. As much as I love Skip Town Playhouse, gosh, it would be nice to have an ADR theater-friendly space. Yeah. yeah, and just to echo what you said earlier, improv really is such a beautiful art form. And, yes. you know, it's the reason why I think we all started this podcast and we're still performing after forming so long ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And it it does give people tools that are hard to find sometimes being taught, I think in the real world. So right. I'm just, and, and practical tools, practical tools, presentation skills, uh, literally on the spot thinking, problem solving. That's where it's helpful. That's where it's helpful. 
And also, it can be meaningful and powerful and can change minds. Yes, yes. I feel like Mm -hmm. people forget that sometimes when they're doing improv and they think it all just needs to be wacky, like you said, Wacky, zany, yeah, caca, poo-poo. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, You can't change the world with caca, (laughs) poo-poo. I mean, you can get out of your system and be healthier, but that doesn't doesn't count. I'll I'll buy that shirt if you make it on the ledge. You can't change (laughs) the world with caca, poo-poo. Absolutely. Sean, thank you so much. You're such a joy. You're such a wonderful person. We're so happy for you. Oh, thank you. We're going to... We're, we're going to watch the Ledge Theater very closely because we're very excited. So am I. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show. You can find us on all of the socials. That's right. The social media programs. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Storm Chaser Improv. We've also got videos on YouTube. Just search for us at Storm Chaser Improv. We've got shows. We've also got clips from our podcast. And you can find all the other links that we have to get tickets to our shows and find other projects that we're working on at the link in our bio on Instagram. And of course, my friends, if you enjoyed this podcast, push all the buttons, share it, like it, subscribe to it. And if you're listening on iTunes, give us a little five star review. That would be fantastic. This is my friend, Travis Lincoln Cox. This is my friend, Andrew Pish. And this is my friend, Anatasha Blakely. Thank you so much for listening. See y'all again soon. Thank you for listening to the Storm Chaser Improv Podcast Show.